Welcome to The Thriving Marriage, the podcast for those who want to get their spouse back in love with them and truly thrive. You'll learn why 95% of people don't save their marriage and the secret method no one else is talking about that will change everything for you. Are you ready? 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 Let's Let's turn turn tragedy tragedy to to triumph. triumph. Here are your hosts, international marriage experts, Mark Johnston and Heather Choate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Marriage Podcast, where we talk about all sorts of relationship and marriage-oriented topics, trying to get to those all those little solutions, all, talking about all those little solutions to all the problems you, you might be facing. Uh, my name is Mark Johnston. I'll be with you today solo. So um, this week, what I wanted to talk to you all about is about communication, about having open communication, and when your partner won't talk to you. I know this has been a a topic that I'm sure a lot of you have on your mind. I'm sure many of you have probably experienced some form of communication problems in your relationship, or maybe even this one specifically where your partner just doesn't want to talk. But before we get into that, as always, I want to share our client win of the week. So this one is coming from one of our anonymous uh, members. But I just, like, I I read this, we're always getting feedback from people, and I I wanted to share this one in particular, because I I just felt like this one is really good. Uh, This one says, uh, thank you from all the work and effort to guide me in these last six months. My understanding is so, so much more than before. And I'm grateful to you, Rosita. Rosita is one of our team members, um, especially in your team behind you. Um, it's so weird. It took right to the last meeting for Heather and I to start connecting again, Heather being this client's um, spouse. We went for our meal and it was a success. I could tell she was a bit anxious and I'm cool with that as I understand her and why she felt this way. She was very well dressed up for the occasion, which proves how much she cares and wanted to impress me as well. She was so stunning. And I said, wow, when I collected her, she blushed and we, we will move very slowly from this point on and take our, our time but I won't make the same mistakes again. And I will always revert back to my notes whenever I'm stuck. Uh, I, I want to keep in touch about my journey and reach out if ever in need. Many thanks and with love. And I love this because, you know, this client here, um, it just, it sounds to me like he really stuck it out to the end. You know, it, sometimes it, it is like this. And especially when there's consideration for divorce, it can take a while to get back on the right track. And, you know, in this case, this, this guy who's talking about, it took six months, six months before they started getting back on that track and where she was willing to be around him and receive him well. And I can only imagine that, like, after all that work and all that um, emotional investment, the payoff, it's got to be really sweet. You know, I... I I'll tell you, like those times in my own life when you know I've had some arguments with my wife, and we've had a little bit of tension, and then we're able to break through that. It's just the best, isn't it? And to be able to come to the other side and really find that appreciation again, just it's so so great. Anyways, um, before we get into the, the main topic, we always have some amount of questions that we put to the group. Uh, we always are trying to get your opinion, sometimes on the topic that we're discussing this week, sometimes on other things. Um, this week, we had a few different questions. 
said, what is the one thing that you have done in the past week to create some positive experiences with your spouse? How do you think that one thing can help you open up communication with you and, and so that they will want to talk with you more? And what's, um, what is one more way you think you could add to what you've already doing today to make the process easier to open up to communication again? So some of you have chimed in. Um, so uh, we have some people talking about providing alone time which, okay, that's well, good. He, uh, Paul mentioned he went hunting for a week and um, she was able to, to be at home on her own. Uh, everyone needs alone time or me time. And yes, I can, I can get where Paul's coming from, where um, especially if there's been a lot of tension, being able to have a little bit of time apart, um, especially if that's being requested, can be a big thing. We also have a few other comments um, Stage was saying, we, we made breakfast together today. I proposed the idea and he accepted and we did it all together. No fighting, no bitterness, no collaboration, those sort of things. Um, Larry's talking about, uh, I talk about positive about things we communicate well about the kids and she's been very positive about my changes. One of the things I'm pointing out here is, you know, all of these things all these things, whether it's making breakfast together, about framing things more positively, whether it's about providing a little bit of a bit of space. It seems to me like everyone that is responding here, they're all talking about um, basically following through on some, some bids or some requests or some perceived needs. And these are always, these are always great places to start. And like the question was like, how do we how do we use this and how do we apply it to building up some communication? And certainly, if there's more pleasant interactions, if there's some consideration for the other person, I would agree that those sort of things do have some impact. But what we want to talk about today is I want to dig underneath all of this and really examine what causes that avoidance. Why would someone back away? And you know what what can we do about this? So that's the topic. Um, once again, the, it's it's about communication and when they won't talk to you. So to dive in, I'm going to start with some discussion around the problems that we see with communication. And if you guys are seeing any problems, if you're having difficulty with communication yourself, Please, by all means, comment. I, I am paying attention to the comments uh, as we as we go along today. But um, like I said, I, I'm, I was thinking a little bit about what kind of problems do we see with communication in general? Uh, I know that within my own relationship with my wife, Jen, we have certain patterns. There's certain things that I see with some regularity. Um, sometimes this might be some amount of avoidance. I know this, this is especially common uh, with my wife and I, is both of us are a little bit <laughs> reluctant to approach really difficult topics. And so we kind of skirt around things um, if, we're not, if we're not in a good headspace. We, we don't want to turn things into fights. Um, I certainly see with 
some of my relationships, sometimes there's escalation. You know, I have friends or family that when there are problems, the communication escalates and it gets more tense and um, more accusations come out and more anger comes out. Uh, sometimes I see uh, with, with some of my clients, especially, we might see some defensiveness or some stonewalling, both Gottman sort of principles. These are both Gottman ideas of like the, the four horsemen of divorce. And these are big uh, shutdowns of communication, that defensiveness and stonewalling. You know, essentially with those two things, it, it's about dismissiveness, dismissing the other person's feelings. But whether this is avoidance or escalation or defensiveness or stonewalling or dismissiveness or whatever it happens to be, the big theme with all of this is that conversation shuts down because it's no longer it no longer feels safe. So the avoidant person they say, I don't, it doesn't feel safe, so I'm not going to approach the conversation. Or even the escalating conversation might say, I'm not feeling heard enough. I need to speak louder because I, if I don't speak louder, I'm not going to. And, and I can see how that might not feel safe, especially for the, maybe someone on the other side who doesn't like an escalating conversation. Same thing with defensiveness or stonewalling. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to shut you out. I'm going to dismiss you because it doesn't feel safe to do otherwise. These are some like direct quotes almost that I've heard from some clients around these sort of things. Like um, I've heard things like, she'll use whatever I share against me in arguments, implying that I can't be open, I can't feel safe because it's going to be become ammunition for further escalating arguments. Or another quote, he'll never listen to what I'm saying. So it's easier to avoid. It's easier to not approach those conversations in the first place. Or another quote, anything I say just turns into an argument, meaning there's some negative interpretation and I can't open up because it's going to be taken the wrong way. But you see how like all of these things, all of these things, um, these uh, strategies, are because the conversation doesn't feel safe anymore to, to do anything beyond that. Considering how conversations within my own relationships or in, in the past, how they've sometimes felt unsafe. Um, and a lot of the times when I'm reflecting on those situations, a few things come to mind, like this kind of sense that, hey, I, I don't feel like there's a way forward. Or, you know, a big one for me personally, this one's big for, for me personally, is I'm really not feeling considered here. They're not considering how I'm feeling or how I might approach this or, you know, my, my side of this. Um, other other times, you know, as I'm reflecting on this, I'm saying, I'm thinking to myself, okay, is there really no way to gain any understanding here? Is there no way to come to some consensus? And I'll admit, this is really, really frustrating. Like some of these moments where conversation was shut down and there wasn't a way forward, I didn't feel considered, there wasn't any consensus or understanding. These, these are moments that stand out to me. With, with a lot of clarity. 
And I like these are sometimes these are very pivotal moments in my life. And I can only imagine if this was something that was happening on the regular, if this was a the norm for a relationship, I can imagine why that relationship would then start really, really struggling with their communication and why that might even further drive things to some amount of separation. And I, as I was reflecting on this, I, I had to ask myself, okay, where, where does, or how does this develop? How do we get to a point where this is even the, the norm? Like it, had, it had to have started somewhere. How do we, how does it become this unsafe situation? And, you know, as I talk to many, many, many individuals, many couples, it's almost it always comes down to very specific things. Um, a lot of times openness or intimacy, some open sharing may be treated without care. We, we hear this in some of the, the, um, the comments that I mentioned earlier, like, you know, she'll use whatever I share against me in arguments or anything I say turns into an argument. So that right there, that's this intimacy was treated callously or with, without care. Sometimes um, it starts off with some personal attacks, like someone is sharing something, but that feedback is overly harsh. You know, like I, I work with a couple and this is this is their situation. They say, I, I want to feel heard so much. And yet a lot of times when they are sharing what they feel, it's coming out awfully aggressively. And so once again, it, as that pattern continues, the the communication starts shutting down. They say, I, I'm not feeling heard, but it real, the reality is there's it's coming from a lot of aggressiveness. Um, other times it might start with just some simple lack of empathy or some lack of interest or lack of curiosity. Someone shares something and they say, well, why didn't my partner ask questions? Why didn't they take any interest in this important thing that I had to share? And that's really hard. That's, it's hard to continue to be open when you keep sharing of yourself and there's not really any response. But ultimately, how one can feel or the thoughts and beliefs that develop from these sort of things, it's highly personal. It's highly personal. And I, I think we, I could probably make a list of very common thoughts and beliefs and feelings, but I don't think we're ever going to be have an exhaustive one. And, you know, when we're facing a partner who's really, really shut down, there's very likely some very specific things that are are fueling that. And my my personal thought around that is it's you know it's best to be curious and ask. But that's not the only solution here. And that's not like it's, it's easy for me to say, hey, just you know what? Partner isn't talking. Let me be curious when you ask about that. No, I mean that's going to be blunt here. That's not really much of a solution. Um, you know, I'm sure many of you who have faced a lack of communication have probably tried that very thing and it didn't really go anywhere you know what i mean so what do we do then to get communication flowing again again uh, four things come to mind 
And because, you know, just the way things are, um, we have a little acronym for it. It's fun. It's cute. Use it if you want, if it helps you to remember this. Um, but I'm thinking these things are curiosity, acceptance, validation, empathy. And what does that spell? We have we have cave. And, you know, I, I thought, hey, that, that that's nice. It's nice that it fits because, you know, I don't know about you guys. Uh, when I'm talking with my wife and I'm I'm really needing to feel safe and I'm really needing to just curl up and be comfortable. Um, sometimes I'll go to her and I'll say, hey, I just need to go into my cave for a little bit. Sometimes my wife joins me in our, my cave, but um, like I, I thought it was interesting that the, the acronym fit because like, you know, at least in my life, it, you know, something like a cave is seen as this calming place where I, I can shut everything else out. And that's not necessarily what we're doing here with the acronym, but there is some relation. You know, in this case, caves are safe. These other things create safety and, um, and communication. Anyways, so curiosity, acceptance, validation, empathy, cave, right? Uh, so, like, I get it. Um, no, you guys probably aren't here because for silly acronyms and, and whatnot, but I think it fits. But anyways, each of these ideas provides something important. And um, each of these allows a conversation where, you know, one where there is curiosity, acceptance, validation, empathy, uh, it allows a conversation to be more safe with each of these. Each one provided increases the, that safety. And if, you, if you're thinking about like maybe the opposite, um, if we're thinking about the opposite of these things, think about how that conversation might feel. If I was disinterested, if I was judgmental, if I was invalidating, or I, if I was uh, misinterpreting. Like when we look at the opposite, clearly we everyone would agree that those things would create a lot of problems. But anyways, like I said, um, a conversation where these things are present, it allows it to be more safe. And a safe conversation allows people to be more open for the conversation to actually happen. And that closed, tense, escalated conversation, that judgmental, lack of understanding, full of judgment conversation is very likely lacking one or more of these ideas. And I would even go on to argue that if your partner is shut down, if they're not communicating to you, we're either looking at a lack of one of these cave things or we're looking at an increase in the opposites the judgment and the invalidation and all that. So how do we have add caves? How do we add all this into your conversation? Um, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of tools out there. And, you know, if you're, if you're not sure how to, like, I'm going to pause for a moment. And I'm just going to acknowledge that you know, to say, hey, be more curious, be more accepting, be more validating, be more empathic. I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, well, duh. But I'm going to also point out that a lot of people, when they've gotten to me, when, they, when they're coming to me and they're saying, hey, I'm having this huge crisis, they, a lot of them will claim, hey, I, I am doing these things. I'm trying to be more curious. I'm trying to 
open up the conversation a bit more. And what's interesting to find is that almost always it's hard to for these people to see where their mistakes are happening. So I will point that out. And oftentimes you need a third perspective to really look at situations objectively and be able to evaluate where there might be problems or where you might be doing well, perhaps. And by the way, if you guys are looking for that kind of support, we'd be more than happy to help you out with that. Just let us know. Let us know in the comments. But um, curiosity. I mean, it should seem pretty obvious how we might add some of this, but ask questions. I don't know why. Uh, oddly enough, this, this seems like a revelation to some people. Like, hey, ask questions. Be interested and follow up on the things that they are sharing. Even and this is where I think most people get caught, even if what they're sharing is difficult, even if what they're sharing is a little bit painful, even if what some of their, what they're sharing is not all that interesting. Sometimes you do need to suck it up a little bit and be able to still be curious because I'm sure you know, even in even if in those difficult moments, if you were curious and you asked questions and you genuinely wanted to know why they were sharing what they were sharing, I could fairly well guarantee that would probably have gone a long way. Acceptance. In terms of acceptance, I think the big principle here is that there does need to be some, some amount of demonstration of acceptance that their point of view probably feels reasonable to them. There's probably a reason why they are sharing the things that they're sharing, even if those things are difficult for you to hear. I'm thinking about some of the interactions I've had with my own wife. And I've had to evaluate this a little bit myself because there, there are times when I feel the need to give some feedback to my wife saying, hey, look, this is feeling difficult to me where I didn't appreciate this. And one of our points of tension sometimes is the situation where I provide some feedback and I feel like my wife gets upset with me for providing that feedback. And then I get upset, you know, I, I feel like, okay, here's my wife who didn't accept me, but then she turns around and she says, well, I should be able to feel how I feel when you're sharing this negative feedback. And it goes around in a circle. And how we've broken those sort of cycles is, you know, I, I for myself, this is how I've had to break it for myself and within my own relationship is I've had to say, hey, it's okay for my wife to be sad if I'm sharing some feedback, if I'm sharing something that I think needs to be discussed. It's okay for her to be upset. It's, an, it's okay for me to be upset. And that's what this is all about, is having that acceptance. In general, acceptance often means being okay or even appreciating how your partner might feel differently than yourself. It's, a, it's about um, appreciating that 
you know, they're they're not going to have the same point of view. They're not going to have the same feelings, and that, you know, it's not always going to be really easy to go through that. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is it's hard to share things on a deep level and then feel like they, there isn't that calm acceptance. And at the same time, I recognize that's not always easy and we can have acceptance ourselves that it doesn't always go smoothly. And I hope you get you all get what I mean, but like we could all probably do with a lot more injection of acceptance into these conversations if we're trying to open them up. Uh, I'm gonna get through this list, these four things, and then I wanna talk about some applications. So please do stick around if you're you're listening in and you're looking for some application, some examples. Uh, third on our list is validation. Um, this is what I always tell people. I say, hey, remember, feelings are always valid. That might be surprising to some people, but I've said it many times before. Feelings are always valid. Perhaps there needs to be some discussion around feelings. Perhaps some things need to be cleared up. Perhaps we need to come to a better understanding of how we came to those feelings. But we always want feelings to feel validated or valid. And I think that's like where that example I was just giving about my wife and I, where I was going a, a little bit with that, is it, for both of us, we wanted our feeling to be valid. And it was hard feeling valid when the other person was also upset. We were, we were making the mistake that because my partner is also upset, that invalidates my feelings. And that just wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. I, I could be upset and my wife could be upset and both of those, uh, both of our feelings could still remain valid. And that's how we came to some acceptance there and how we broke through some of the, the cycles. A person who is being very quiet and not communicating very likely is having some problems or some concerns about whether their point of view or their feelings are going to be validated. And, you know, if your partner isn't talking to you, you have to ask yourself, where does that come from? Maybe there's some reason for that. How do I, and you might ask yourself, how do I provide more validation here? How do I make it, even their concern around being open and talking, how do I have some acceptance around that and, and validate that? Fourth on our, our list, and then we are gonna get to some applications, some examples, uh, is empathy. Um, I think a lot of people get empathy wrong, to put it just very directly. I hear so many mistakes with empathic statements in my business. I hear, you know, a lot of it, the most common mistake I hear is this, yeah, but statement like, okay, I can see that you're angry, but, or I can see that you're hurt, but I can see what you mean, but, and that's that but that where that trips up a lot of people. Deep empathy means having some understanding and recognition of how other people feel. The best kinds of empathy though, mean not only acknowledging the feelings, but where those feelings are coming from, 
how those feelings came about. That's some really deep empathy. And if you, I want you guys to listen to like the difference here between like one of these yeah, but statements and like some really deep, the best kinds of empathy. Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like a situation where um, my wife was feeling stressed about some bills and stuff. Um, we got it all sorted out and whatnot, but you know, if, if I were to provide some really bad empathy in one of these yeah but statements, I, I could have gone to my wife and said, okay, look, you stress about these bills, but you don't need to be stressed about it. We, we can take care of it here and here. Um, you don't need to worry. It's, it might sound to others like, hey, I'm here I am supporting my wife, but at the same time, there is some some small amount of dis dismissiveness. It it's not really great deep empathy, and I think a lot of people make that mistake, and they they get tripped up there, and they think that they're being really supportive and empathic, and they might be supportive, but in that case, it's not empathic, full of empathy. Instead, you know, if I really wanted deep deep empathy, and I really wanted to open up the conversation, make it so that my wife in this hypothetical situation would discuss things with me, I, I would go to her and I'd say, okay, hey, look, I get that this is very stressful. And I know that there's been some stressful times in the past. And I, I, can, I know that you've not, maybe not always felt super secure financially. So I understand where this is all coming from. Where do we wanna go with this? Do you hear how I'm like, not only am I having some empathy for the current feeling, and I'm also kind of describing things elsewhere and how we came to this point. It demonstrates or communicates a whole, whole lot of understanding and feels a lot more empathetic, empathic. Someone tell me which one's the right one. Is it empathic or empathetic? And I should know this, but you all can correct me if you'd like. So that, that's what we have, like just some quick little tips to add each of these into the conversation and where some, some trip ups might be happening. But like I said, we want some application. You all came here because I, I, I said at the beginning, our topic is what to do or how do we open up communication when they won't talk with you? Let's take a look at this that sort of scenario, applying each of these principles. And I'm gonna point out the principle as I'm giving examples or as I'm making this statement. So if this were my wife and she weren't talking to me, I would say, hey, look, I can see you're upset. And I understand we just had this fight. I, I get where that's coming from. And that's, that's really difficult for you. There, there's the empathy. Um, I might say, you know what? It's okay if you're upset. I I get it, and I want to be okay with you being upset. Um, it's okay. So there's some acceptance. Uh, and we might say, you know what? Even further, I think that I think a lot of people would be upset in the, these sort of situations, and I can even understand why you might not want to talk about it. Um, especially since we've had some more fights recently, or especially since we 
you know, haven't been able to talk very openly about some things. There's some validation. I'm validating for actions there. I'm curious though, like, you know, I'd really want to understand how we can how we can have a little bit more peace. And I mostly, um, you know, in my opinion, I think we can have a little bit more peace if I'm if I'm able to understand where you're coming from a bit better. And if I was able to hear you on uh, a deep level. So that's all I want to do is I, I want to just ask some questions and listen. And there's my curiosity. Do you hear how all of this, you know, I might even say even further, if you don't want to talk, that's fine. I'm just putting the, the offer out there. That's even more acceptance by leaving off some of the pressure. But do you hear like my tone and the words I'm saying? A lot of that is geared towards you know, it's instilling these things, but it really feels safe. I don't know about you guys. Maybe, maybe I'm really off. Maybe I'm hearing myself. I'm like, yeah, Mark, you got some good ideas here. So if you disagree with me, please let me know. But I don't know, in my opinion, I, it sounds really good. It sounds like a situation that feels very safe to be open and for someone to share a whole lot. Now, I hope I would understand these sort of principles because, you know, this is what I use all the time when I get a client who is a little bit reluctant to speak. These are all things that um, I employ in, in my own sessions, even as I like may get a spouse and so, someone who's been cheating and maybe they're, they're feeling some guilt. I use a lot of these principles to get them to open up about some very difficult things, admitting to some pretty big faults. And they all open up, not to pat myself on the back, but they all open up with me because I use these things in abundance. Now, I admit I'm in a better, I'm in a different position than say you are with your partner. You know, people come to me specifically because I'm meant to be an objective third party and I'm meant to hear people out and I'm, it's implied that I'm going to be a safe uh, I'm, I'm going to create a safe environment for discussion. But I'm telling you guys that I do get people who are resistant. I do get people who are reluctant to share. And by injecting these things deliberately and avoiding some of the pitfalls, I, <laughs> I'm very, very consistent in getting people to open up. So, you know, take it, take it for what it's worth. With that said, um, if you guys have any questions, please, please, please let us know in the comments. We, we always like to hear about that. And if you have any other concerns or things that you would like us to discuss in future podcasts, please let us know. But before we part ways here today, I do want to go over our marriage mythbuster. Uh, here with the Thriving Marriage Podcast, we always go over uh, er erroneous ideas that we hear within the community, within our, with our inter interactions with our clients and elsewhere. These are things that sometimes are held up as like truths, and I like to tear those down. <laughs> I like to, you know, call call out mistakes when they are present. So in this case, the myth this week is the idea that it's best to avoid discussing sensitive topics. All right really applicable for uh, <laughs> this week's topic, right? As we were just discussing communication. 
So I hear this, oddly enough, I hear this statement a lot. I hear this sort of statement all the time. And there is some small, small, small truth to it. Uh, I'll explain. I mean, there are some other similar statements that we hear, things like, you may have heard some of these, things like, you need to pick your battles, or this idea that you shouldn't nag your partner. These are all statements of avoiding certain topics, avoiding certain conversations, or avoiding certain types of feedback. The problem is with that picking your battles or not nagging your partner, it implies that there are some solutions or resolutions to the problem that, that is at hand. You know, if you say, hey, you shouldn't nag your partner, well, the implication here is that there are avenues to discuss those topics as long as it's not nagging. Or if we're saying pick your battles, it implies that there are other battles that we can choose and we can bring up to resolve this concern. And so those sort of ideas work sometimes, while the idea of avoiding sensitive topics is much more of a broader blanket statement. It basically implies that we shouldn't discuss these sensitive topics at all. And, and if you don't have that avenue to resolve these things, it, it creates a lot of problems. Avoiding sensitive topics I will admit, does allow for more immediate calm, but it's usually at the cost of pent up resentment or other negative feelings that build up over time. A lot of clients describe this sensation or this kind of feeling of sweeping problems under the rug. And that's what this effectively does. Eventually those sensitive topics that were avoided end up spilling out from under the rug or blowing up and will sometimes seem insurmountable because of how much they have been building. So no, I'm gonna disagree with the statement. I do not think that sensitive topics should be avoided. I do believe that they need some careful treatment, that there needs to be some discussion around careful feedback, that we might need to approach them maybe with third parties who might be able to support better communication. But avoidance, no. I don't think that's that's fair. With that, thank you all for listening. Um, as I mentioned, please comment if you feel like you have any questions or if you'd like some support. We are always um, looking out at the comments. And if you have some topics that you would like us to discuss, once again, please comment and let us know. With that, as I mentioned, thank you all for listening and I will catch you all next week. Thanks for listening to The Thriving Marriage, your A to Z blueprint for not just surviving marriage, but thriving. Until next time, my friends, thrive on.